0: series where we've been giving you one-off messages that we really feel can help you tackle and maybe even solve some issues and problems that you come up against in your everyday life because that's the goal isn't it that's the goal let's make this bible thing let's make this faith thing let's make this Jesus thing applicable to our modern day lives right that sounds good to me so hey we're going to do part four and the title of my message tonight is fighting with faith fighting with faith now, if you've got siblings, if you've got brothers or sisters, just, show, just, just do a show of hands real quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what it's like if you've got brothers and sisters. Those of you who are only children, you don't know what it's like to be chased around the kitchen with a raw chicken on your brother's hand, using it like a glove, and it's really starting to show. <laughs> I can tell if you're an only child, but I, I am not an only child. I'm actually one of six kids. That's crazy. I know, mum and dad, no tally, whatever. six kids. (laughs) And and in our house, if it was the same in your house, there's always a hierarchy, isn't there? Especially if you've got siblings. There's always a hierarchy. Like, it's always the older sibling that's dishing out the beatdowns on the younger sibling, right? (laughs) Some older siblings are making some noise. It's usually the younger ones that are getting absolutely pasted. But not in my house. Because in my house, every single one of my siblings, apart from my younger sister... We were all within like a year or two of each other in age. So the whole like, I'm older than you, I'm going to tell you what to do, I'm going to beat down on you, kind of didn't really exist in our house. And everybody levered everybody. That's the way that we did life in Acreville Road. Everybody levered everybody. Nans, mums, cats, sisters, whatever. You want to go? Let's do it. And that's how it was in my house growing up. In fact, I brought a picture to show you guys of a Christmas like 1998. There it is. That's my nana in the white. Fun fact, she lent those undies from me and I'm wearing them now. That's my mum there just about to slap the sweat off my brother. (laughs) <laughs> but this is how it was in our house. It was crazy. Everybody was always fighting all of the time. And the rules was this. There are no rules. Like, you can use whatever you want. You can, you can fight whenever you want. Morning, noon, evening, middle of the night. You can pick tools up. You could use weapons. You could do whatever you want as long as you want. And this was cute at first, right? This, is, this was cute at first when we were, like, little. But then when we started to grow up and we got a bit bigger... My mum and dad fast realized that they couldn't control the testosterone that was flying around our house as we ran through their house like a gang of rhinoceroses. And in the end, my dad got so annoyed. This is a true story. He got so annoyed with us smashing things in the house and fighting in the house and not being able to stop us from fighting that one day he called us all out into the back garden. And he took it upon himself to put four sticks in the ground and then he'd roped around those sticks with a blue rope And then he chucked two pairs of boxing gloves in the middle of this self-made boxing ring. And for like two, three years that's what we did. He decided that, hey, if I can't stop you from fighting, then no longer will you fight in the house. And honestly, that's what we did. Whenever there was a dispute, get in the ring. Let's have it. We would fight it out in the back garden like amateur MMA. I don't know what the neighbors used to think. Like, we would literally be in there. First blood, you lose. Doesn't matter whether your argument was wrong or right. If I draw first blood, you are losing. You see, my dad, he He knew that he couldn't stop the fight. He knew that he couldn't stop the testosterone. And so he changed his strategy. He knew that he couldn't stop the fight from coming. And so he just changed his strategy. And I think that life can be like that as well, can't it? Sometimes some battles and some fights come your way in life, and no matter how much you push against them, and no matter how much you don't want them to come, well, guess what? They're coming for you. And so what we do is we go in and we fight, we face the inevitable, and we start fighting the thing that we definitely don't want to fight. But really, if we're honest, that really hasn't been working out too well for us, has it? I don't know about you, but I don't know what fight you're in the middle of right now. And if you're not in a fight, then that's great for you. But let me, let me tell you, there is one coming your way. It is getting FedEx to your house because life has a way of just bringing battles and just bringing fights. And so I ask myself the question, I wonder what fight you're in the middle of today, in the middle of right now. And more importantly, I wonder how you choose to respond to it. Because the fights are going to come in life, aren't they? They're just going to come. It just Is what it is, so maybe we need to change our strategy towards the fight instead of trying to run from the fight. I wonder what fight you're in, but more importantly, sometimes I wonder what weapons do you use to fight with because you can pick up anything to fight, no problem. Some of us we've slipped into these habits where we pick up alcohol and substance abuse to fight past hurts because a temporary high is always better than a permanent hurt, isn't it? Let's just be honest, let's be real, that escapism. Is just so much more appealing than having to deal with the hurt that you're going through. And maybe the hurt that's been placed on your life wasn't even your fault. It wasn't even your battle. And you just got caught up and wrapped in the aftermath of it all. Sometimes we pick up the weapon of ignorance because it's easier to bury our head in the sand instead of fighting the thing that's coming to confront us, isn't it? It's so much easier confrontation than having to deal with the it's so much easier ignorance than having to deal with the confrontation that comes from it. I don't know about you, but anybody that knows me will say that the biggest weapon that I pick up all of the time for fights is straight up sarcasm. Like some of my friends don't even know if we're friends because I'm so sarcastic that they're not really sure whether we're just really good friends or really great enemies. Do you know what I mean? Like we can pick up any weapons we like. We can pick up credit cards as a weapon and use them to fight our bad spending habits. Just another credit card, just another payday loan because it's so much easier to keep spending instead of having to deal and confront with the fact that you have a habitual financial problem I wonder what fight you're in tonight I wonder what weapons you choose maybe for you you're in a good fight because there's good and there's bad fights by the way maybe for you you're in a good fight and you're trying to fight the mortgage payments and you're trying to get the promotion and be a good husband and be a good wife and be a good mom and be a good dad but no matter what you do or how hard you try it never seems to work out and here's the reason why it's because you're fighting in your own strength You're starting to fight the same old battle with the same old weapon of your own strength. Maybe for you, it's education. Maybe for you, you're the first person ever to go to university in your family. And everybody's so proud and they packed you off. But now you're in the middle of it and you're kind of on your own. And the assignments keep coming and the papers keep getting graded. And you can't help but feel like you're losing your grip as you try and fight the pressure and the scary feeling of failing out. We all fight these battles in a number of different ways, with a number of different weapons. And I wonder about what your strategy is. I wonder how you deal with these things and how you fight these battles. Sometimes I think we get so tired of fighting, don't we? You ever gotten tired of fighting? Like, you ever really got really tired of arguing with someone? Like maybe if you're married and you just get tired of arguing with someone and so you just start agreeing with whatever they say just so that they will shut up. (laughs) you know what I mean you ever been through that you get to a point in the argument and you're just like man I'm I'm tired yeah you're right the sky is green cool do you hon you're right spicy chicken nuggets are definitely better than the original chicken nuggets at McDonald's yeah whatever and you start to just agree with people because you get so tired and so exhausted of fighting but here's what I want you to know right from the off today That maybe you don't need to give up on your dream that God has placed in your heart, but maybe you do need to change your strategy and get a new strategy in place to fight the same old battle that has been whooping you up and down this city. (laughs) Maybe you need a new strategy for your old battle. Ever tried to fight your waste after Christmas? (laughs) It's easy, isn't it? In the moment, it's easy, and then January 6th comes, and you're like, ah get a next year. 2020 is my year, 2020 vision, eyes on the prize. Nope. <laughs> because we just get tired of fighting. How many of us know that the fights pick you? Sometimes you don't even need to pick a fight because one will come straight up to your door, knock on your house and pick you. How many of us have been there? One thing that you have to know about my wife, Beth, is she is the most passionate, uh, enthusiastic, an encouraging person that you will ever meet. I, pr- I promise you, for four years of our marriage, we've been married for four years now, I have not tried once because I could bring home a paper clip and Beth would be hyped. Like, she's so easy. It's so good for me. I got the best deal ever. I could get her anything and she would be made up. And she's a morning person. She wakes, she wakes up like this. I woke up like this. She wakes up like this. And so this is how she this is how she wakes up. She literally wakes up. This is the best impression I could do. She wakes up she goes, "Hi." And I And I hate the mornings and so I just look at her and I'm like, "Die." <laughs> I just hate them. I just hate them. And a couple of months ago, I rolled over and I, and I was ready for the oh, I was getting ready, I was putting up my defenses, I thought, here it comes, and I rolled over and I was greeted to Beth, scowling me down, in bed, on our pillows. And I said to her, what's the matter? Something's clearly not the right, something's clearly not right, you're not giving me the hi. And she said to me, you were so mean to me in my dream last night. And then, she proceeded to pick a fight with me. The physical, real, here in the flesh, 3D version, human being. She tried to pick a fight with me for something that the version of me that she dreamed up in her mind had done to her during her dream in her sleep. I said, what did I do that was so mean? She goes, I don't know. But I know you were mean to me last night (laughs) in my dream. Some fights will just pick you. Like they don't even care. They'll just come up to your house, they'll get in your bed, and they will pick you out. And you will have to fight them whether you're ready for it or whether you want to or not. I wonder what your response is when the fight comes knocking at your door. Is it fight or is it flight? Is it, is it fear or is it faith? Because fighting with faith is a thing, but so is fighting with fear. They look very similar, but they're very, very different. You need to maybe make a change with the way that you've been fighting with that spouse because it's just not really working. And the truth is, if we're all dead honest, we all fight the ones we love the most, the most, don't we? Maybe you need to change the way that you fight with that boss because the way that you're currently acting winds him up, frustrates you, and it's just a battlefield at work. Maybe you need a brand new strategy for the same old battle. When we started church a number of years ago... Um, a lot of people think that we just did a 6 p.m. service because when we bought this building, we were we were kind of established and known for the church just as the 6 p.m. and now we do an 11 a.m. But a lot of people don't know this, but we actually started doing morning services before we ever did a 6 p.m. service. We never ever did a 6 p.m. We only ever did like a 10:30, 10, 11, something like that. And uh, a couple of months in, maybe even maybe a year in, we realized that the church wasn't growing. And so what we realized was. Most of the people that were far from God that we really wanted to reach the most were all in bed on a Sunday morning, having been out and got booted on a Saturday night. And that was just the worship leaders and the church leaders. (laughs) This church is... (laughs) Never mind. uh, (laughs) I'm just kidding, by the way. And um, we realized that the people we wanted to reach the most, that was their lifestyle. And that's cool. No judgment. That was their lifestyle. And so we changed our strategy and we stopped doing the morning service and we said, hey, we're only going to do a 6 p.m. service because we want to make it easy for you to come to church and to follow God. And everyone we knew said to us, you can't do that. You can't just do a 6 p.m. service. That's madness. You're crazy. Everyone we knew in the church world thought we were nuts. Same battle, different strategy. See what I mean? Same battle, different perspective. Same fight, different approach. And then a couple years in, we started started to do things differently that other churches at the time weren't doing. We started to preach all of our messages and speak all of our messages in series. And, And that might not seem too strange for you now, but back then it was so weird that everybody we knew in the church world was like, You cannot do that. You're going to speak on the same topic for four weeks. No one's going to come. No one's going to listen. But now... People ring us up and ask us for our service flows and how we come up with series titles and how we do our run orders and everything. You see, same battle, different strategy. We started to move our tithes and our offerings and our giving slots to the end of the service. And again, everybody said, you can't do that. That's crazy. That's madness. The tithes and offerings, they always go at the start of the service. But what we realized and we began to understand was the only meal that you pay for before you ever eat it is one that you get at a drive-thru. And that's not good for your arteries and it ain't good for your soul either. We're trying to serve up some vegetables and some sustenance that's going to keep you going from Sunday to Sunday. So we moved the ties and offering slot to the end of it because if you take your girl to a nice restaurant, you only pay once you've eaten the meal. And everybody we knew said, you're crazy. That will never work. But now if you go to a church in a lot of places, this is how they do it. And everybody thought that Luke and Emma were nuts. And some of us did too. (laughs) I'll be honest. But I just think that they were genius. To have the boldness and the courage to look at the same old battle and fight it with a brand new strategy. Same battle, different strategy. I know um, that there's a possibility tonight. That even though you're fighting battles, you just feel like you're losing? Ever, ever been in that position? Maybe, maybe you're there right now. Like no matter what you're fighting or what you come up against or what you do and try to get over it, it just feels like you're failing, like you're flunking out, like you just can't get through no matter what. I just want you to know this. It's not because you're not trying to break through. And it's not definitely not because you're not good enough. And it's definitely not because you're not tough enough, not smart enough, not hard enough to overcome that situation. It's just because you're fighting the same old battle with the same old strategy. Same hurt, same drugs to cover it up. Same rejection, same anger to cover that up too. Same setback, same self-pity to wallow for just a little bit longer. This is how we operate, isn't it? This is how we go about our daily lives. In the Bible there's this guy called Joshua... And we're going to go there in just a second. But Joshua becomes the leader of this people called the Israelites. And the Israelites, what you've got to know about the Israelites is that they were a nomadic people. And this means that they didn't have a home. They didn't have a land to call their own. And so they would wander around and they would stop off so that they could graze their animals and raise their families. And it was always their dream to see this promised land that they could call their home. It was always the dream that God had given them. And in a moment, we're going to talk and read about how they finally get to this, this promised land after 40 years of being in the desert. But the problem is, is they get there and somebody else has already set up shop. Somebody else has already moved in. Like, isn't that the worst? You get to the drive through and someone just gets in there right before you. it's just an absolute nightmare when someone gets there where you're headed just before you do. And this is what happens to the Israelites. So if you've got a Bible, I'd love it if you would turn it with me to the Old Testament, which is just the front, front end of your Bible. And we're going to read together Joshua 6. If you haven't got a Bible, don't worry, no problem. It's going to come up on the screen behind me. And this is what it says, Joshua 6. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in. Or out. But the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you're to march around the town seven times, with the priests blowing the ram's horns. You ever um, get up in the morning and...?????????????????????????????????? get out of your modern memory foam mattress bed, and you go down and you put your modern day Nescafe maker on, and you open up your modern day Bible because it's all on phones and apps now. And you sit there and you're like, God, I'm trying to be disciplined, and so I'm going to try and sit this morning and spend some time and read your word in the hopes that you'll speak to me and show me how to deal with my very modern day problem. And then you open up your Bible and it says things like, hey, you should get some priests and blow a ram's horn. I <laughs> had that? Oh, yeah, gee, thanks, God. Like, there's not many problems in my modern-day life that I've never not been able to solve with a quick blast of the ram's horn. Cheers. My kids won't listen to me. It's all right, don't worry. Just get the ram's horn. It'll be fine. It's okay. You can't pay your mortgage? No problem, no problem. Just get the ram's horn. It's all good. Some things in the Bible just seem crazy, don't they? But we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. This is what it says in verse 5. When you hear the priest give one long blast on the ram's horn, do do That's how I imagine that the ram's horn sounds. I'm told that it's not, but I like to think that it is. I'm a very visual person. (laughs) <laughs> have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the, the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. So the story goes, Joshua listens to God. He gets the instructions and this is what happens. If you skip down to verse 15, this is what happens. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town that they, ha, at, that they had done before. But this time, they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded, a long blast on their horns. they <laughs> Joshua commanded the people and he said, shout for the Lord has given you the town. Now skip down to verse 20. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horn, there it is again, the flipping ram's horn, get the ram's horn, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly, the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. Boom, victory. If you're married in here, you'll know exactly what it's like To be on the receiving end of information and think, what? (laughs) Fellas, you feel me on this? Like To be on the receiving end of your wife or your girlfriend's information, receive some instructions and be like, what are you even talking about? And this is how Joshua must have felt. This is how he must have felt. This is exactly how he must have felt because Joshua was a fighting man. He was a military man. And I love the fact that God is the only person that can teach an old dog new tricks. Because at this stage in his life, Joshua is 101 years old. He's 101 years old. Some people say old, but I like to say seasoned. He was a seasoned military man. He was a seasoned warrior. He knew exactly what it was to approach an enemy, to take them over and overcome them. He knew what it was to fight. But in this moment, what's interesting is, even though all of that is built into Joshua, he has to fight every single instinct in his natural being and say, okay, God, you're in control. Okay, God, like I know that I, I, know, that I know a lot about this but you're in control. How much faith does that take? How many of us have that type of life-changing faith? Because this is not what we would do, is it? We would start to list off the reasons why it wouldn't work. We would start to list off all of the reasons why we think that God was wrong. You see, a lot of the times we ask for miracles and then we moan about the method. Ever done that? You ask for more, you ask for more money, you ask for breakthrough in your finances, and then you moan that you have to get up at 6 a.m. and do another shift. But this is not what Joshua does, and this is not who he was. And I think there's so much to be learned about the faith of Joshua when he takes a step back and says, Okay, I know about this, but I know about God too. And what I know about God is that he knows more about me than I know about myself. And I think that this is life changing faith and what's interesting to me is the Israelites they were a, they were a people that frequently failed. If you look at the Old Testament these dudes are walking around they get all the signs, they get all the miracles, they get all the wonders and they fail almost every single time. But in this instance, this instance is a reflection of our salvation because even though they failed in the past a thousand times in this moment in this story they trusted and they believed in God and they overcome. You see it only takes one time you to get it right it's a reflection of your salvation because it only takes one time for you to get it right you you are never too far from God there's no there's no amount of mistakes that you could ever make in your past that would mean that you could never not turn to God so there's two things that I think we need to know if we're going to start fighting this thing with faith if we're going to get a brand new strategy for the same old battles there's two things that we need to know and the first one is this to fight the same old battles With a brand new strategy of faith, the first thing we have to do is operate in unity. We have to operate our lives in unity. Verse 3, this is what it says. It says, you, you, you and your fighting men should march around the town. Notice how when God instructed Joshua to go and take the city, he didn't tell him to do it alone. It was always made clear that it was well within God's plan that Joshua would do it, but he would do it alongside all of his fighting men. And then further down the line, if you read it in your own time, Joshua, he instructs Joshua to go and get all of the Levites. And they're like the worship band. And they grab like the, the, the Abbeys and the Calebs and the, and the Josh's and the Livs. And they get everyone together to make sure that everyone's in tune and in step. And then they, they get all of the rest of the army. And they all do it together. They all do the same thing at the same time in unity. We need to operate our lives in unity with one another. Because there truly is strength in numbers. It's so much easier, isn't it, to do life with like-minded people. It's so much easier. It's just so much Easier. It must have been super difficult to walk around that city seven times and then seven times on the seventh day. It must have been so difficult, but can you imagine having to do it on your own? Can you imagine having to do that on your own? Maybe you're doing that on your own now. You're walking around a problem. You're walking around your Jericho and you're believing for breakthrough. But because you're on your own and you're not operating in unity, it's just feeling a little bit abrasive, a little bit hard, like it ain't never going to change. We need to operate our lives in unity. It's harder to wait for a miracle on your own. It's always harder to wait for a miracle on your own. This is why we have spotters in gyms and co-pilots on planes. We were designed for unity. I love what Nathan said last week when he said, "Hey, you can't do it alone. Don't let your pride get in the way to make you think that you can, because you can't." We need to operate our lives with unity. You see, the problem for us nowadays is we spend all of our lives all of our lives uniting ourselves to things and people. don't want to know how to fight with faith. We link our lives to people who aren't willing to fight with faith and when the battle comes we expect them to fight with faith and then they let us down and it leads us straight into isolation. And by the way, isolation is the street that the enemy wants you to be living on. Because if he can get you isolated, if he can separate you from unity, from other believers, from other people who are willing to hold you up when you fall down, then you will doubt God and you will question your identity. And that is exactly where he wants you to be the enemy hates unity because he knows that there's power in unity there's power in unity you were made for the unity of community so that when the fight comes you can fight with the right people and the right weapons and the right type and level of faith I know that you think that you're an island but you're not I know that you think that you're Ibifa, giving it bifters in Almada Cuba on a Saturday night but I promise you you are not you were made for unity. You need to operate your life in unity. It's hard to fight with faith, though, when your heart is united to doubt. It's so much harder to fight with faith when your spirit is a cellmate with offense. It's so much harder to fight with faith when you're filled with fear or spending your life around people who are filled with fear. You need to check your circle and start to cut some ties. We need to be a people that operate in unity, but we need to be people that operate with other people of a like mind. The second thing we have to do is we've got to operate in unity and we've got to execute in faith. We have to be a people who live life and wage war in faith of the victory before it ever even comes. In faith for your healing before it ever even comes. In faith for your breakthrough, and I know that I'm asking a lot, but in faith for your breakthrough before it ever even comes. I love in this story when, in verse 2 when God says to Joshua, see, no, <laughs> see, In verse 2, see, I have given you Jericho. This is the conversation between God and Joshua. But when he says this to Joshua, Joshua hasn't even started marching yet. And by the way, they were situated two hours away from Jericho. So how could Joshua see something that he wasn't in close proximity to and understand that God has brought the walls down when they're still clearly higher, higher all the way up? See, sometimes faith can be tricky because what we see doesn't always line up with what God says. But the Israelites in this story, they get all of their instructions, they get their unity on point, and they set off marching, and they get to the city, and they are united. They're walking around the obstacle. They're traipsing around the very thing that's keeping them out of their promise, and they're so close that they can almost taste it. Have you ever been so close to your breakthrough that you can almost smell it? You can almost taste it, but nothing seems to really be happening. You know what I mean? Like you know that you're right there. But then doubt creeps in and nothing seems to be happening. Because for days they're marching around believing that God will do something but not seeing anything. You've been coming to church but nothing has really been changing. You've been serving on a team but nothing has really shifted yet you see because there's another part of it, you've got to understand that it's happening but there's a plan, there's a process and you just can't see it yet, there is a plan, it's just something you can't see it yet but it's the same battle with a different strategy when you make decisions about your life from a position of faith it's the same addiction but a different rehab, it's the same anxiety but a different type of calm, it's the same sea of struggle but the door is big enough to fit you, Jack and Rose on, no one's going down, it's the same fight but a different battle. Same fight, different perspective. It's difficult when you can't see it though but remember that Hebrews 11 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of what we cannot see and that is why faith is difficult. So they shout for the victory before the walls come down in faith of something that they couldn't see. Verse 20, they heard the horn and then they gave a shout. It's your faith and trust in God that not only is he Able to bring down walls and bring down breakthrough, but he's willing to do it too. That's what faith is. Faith is the bridge between you knowing that God is able and you believing that he is willing. That's what faith is and so they start to march and they're thinking nothing of it but the sound starts building from a position of their unity. They think that they're just marching like they've done a thousand times but it's, the, it's different this time. It's the same battle, it looks exactly the same but it's a different strategy. You see, you walk differently when you're in faith and you're united. It's the same battle but a different strategy and the sound is there but it's quiet. It's so much more quieter now because... The sound is happening, and they start to march. But it's so much quiet when there's only one person. It's so much more difficult to do life on your own when you're not in unity. It's so much more hard to fight things when you're not in unity. Not many chains being broken. Not many walls coming down when you're on your own. But you walk differently when you're in faith. You walk differently when you're in unity. You see, and it starts, and they get louder. And they, le- they get louder. You're louder, Josh. Got <laughs> some size 13s, What? They get louder. You see, because now what's happening is they're in unity you see this is what happens when you join a life group because if he falls she can pick him up and if she falls then he can pick her up pick her up you see this is what happens when you join a life group this is what happens when you're willing to serve at a service and come to another this is what happens when you get accountable with another believer who you trust and believe is out for your best interest this is the picture of unity as the warriors are marching around Jericho God is showing us in this moment that if you focus on faith then he'll deal with your fight you you just focus on faith if the fight is too big for you it ain't yours it's God's you just need to focus on your faith and he will deal with the plan the, Je- the wars of Jericho might have been big but I promise you God is bigger and they keep on marching and another day goes by and another day goes by and it's confusing because they're they're doing the unity thing but it doesn't really feel like anything's happening. They're marching around the same old thing that's keeping them out of their promise and it must just feel like, man, nothing is even moving. Nothing is even shifting but doubt is being diminished. The longer you're in unity, the smaller your doubt becomes. Unity is increasing because faith and doubt can't coexist in the same space. You're either in faith or you're in doubt you can't be in both they didn't realize it at the time but the unity of their steps was laying the foundation for the amplification of their faith it's starting to lay a foundation It doesn't seem like much, but I promise you it's starting to lay a foundation. The Bible tells us that they carry out the instructions laid out by God, and now there's a sound. Now it started. They shouted and they blasted the ram's horn. Remember the ram's horn? Didn't seem like much. Remember the ram's horn? Here we go. Feel it. Bring me the horn, baby. (laughs) Remember the ram's horn? It doesn't seem like much when you don't understand the context, but let me give you the context. The ram's was only used for two things. It was used for battles, and it was used for worship and although it looked like a battle, let me tell you it was more about worship than it was ever about a war, we should change the name from worship to worship because if you want to fight with faith you first have to lead with worship the amplification of the, of the unity was laying a bedrock for the sound of their worship for their faith to take place so here is my question for you church what do you fight, how do you fight it, are you willing to execute in faith and operate in a for a victory that is still in delivery for a victory that you can't even see yet for a victory that feels like it ain't never gonna come your way it's the same battle but a different strategy it's the same fight on the same old Monday but a different way forward a different strategy some stuff you've been fighting with fear but I promise you you should be fighting it with faith same battle more effective worship It's not always about war when it comes to your Jericho, but it is always about worship. It ain't always about war, but it's always about worship. I promise you. And when you fight with faith, you always have to lead with worship. They shouted in faith for the miracle and then, not before and then. They heard the horn, they executed in faith and then the walls came down before they ever even knew that it was going to happen because they'd laid a a foundation of unity which allowed them to amplify their faith. It was not before, it was after. It was before they shouted. They shouted before the breakthrough and then the walls came down down you've got to have both you've got to have unity and you've got to be in faith I promise you because unity will get you to the walls but faith will get you into the promise it's only by faith that you get into Jericho it's only by faith